Welcome to the Peace Bridge Talk Show. Your host is Amrita Kailas, and she is going to introduce you to powerful tools from ancient wisdom and also connect with experts to show you how to implement them to lead a peaceful life. Now, here is Amrita. Welcome, everyone, to the Peace Bridge Talk Show on Voice America. I hope you are having a beautiful day. I'm deeply honored to be connecting with you through Voice America today. I have a very special guest and a good friend with me today who's going to talk to you all about loneliness and the ways to overcome loneliness in this time of our year where we are actually having a lot of struggles with COVID and many other things that are impacting our day-to-day life. Welcome mm-hmm. to the Peace Bridge Talk Show, Richard. So happy and grateful to have you with us today. Yeah, thank you so much. It's an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Richard, I'm first of all going to actually share a short introduction about you before we dive into this topic on loneliness. Richard Lee Thai is a TEDx speaker who delivered a talk entitled How to Find Excuses to Connect, which outlines how people can make meaningful connections easier. He's the founder of Excuses to Connect, a business focused on building connections through one-on-one coaching, podcasting, public speaking, and merchandise. His motto is, you never know how any connection can transform your life. His ultimate vision is to empower and connect connectors, and together we can transform our lives and the lives of others one connection at a time. Welcome again, Richard. Thank you for this beautiful vision that you have. I'm loving the vision, which is to transform everyone through connection. That sounds very, very powerful. Can you share Mm -hmm. a little bit about how you got into this journey of becoming a connection coach? Yes, definitely. I feel like with a lot of things in life, people try people are motivated by their own pains and struggles and they try to solve it. Because for me, the opposite of connection is loneliness. Mm. And I've definitely had experiences where I felt lonely. Mm. The main one was when I moved to a different city for school. So I was born and raised in Calgary, Mm -hmm. but then I moved to Lethbridge to go to the university there. And I was starting again from scratch. I didn't know anyone there. And I thought it'd be easier to make friends because, you know, I'm around hundreds of people in my classes and all that, but I found it quite hard. I I sort of realized it really does take a lot of time and effort Mm -hmm. to build these friendships. Mm -hmm. And part of what contributed to my loneliness too is comparison because I would see on social media, I thought, oh, it seems like all these other people have made their friends. They're going out on all these fun adventures and I'm sitting home alone. What is wrong? What's wrong with me? And so over time, I was able to learn that I wasn't actually alone in that experience. Mm -hmm. I learned that other people had a hard time making friends too and fitting in and making those deeper connections. And I realized that the issue is that not enough people are talking about this. So Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of stigma and shame. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of my main motivators for my connection work is to help normalize and show other people it's okay if you're feeling lonely. Mm -hmm. And 
that you can develop your social skills as well. It's like exercising a muscle. If you go to the gym and you exercise, then it gets better. It's the same with your social skills. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in a nutshell, that's part of why I'm motivated to do this type of work. That is inspiring to hear, Richard. Thank you for sharing that with us. So I know you're also a person who practices ancient wisdom into your day-to-day life. How has ancient wisdom helped you with dealing through loneliness? Mm -hmm. So my main practice is as a Zen Buddhist. So Mm -hmm. I'm part of a Zen Buddhist community here in Calgary. And in Buddhism, they talk about the three jewels of Buddha, Sangha, and Dharma. Mm -hmm. So Sangha stands for community. So it's it's about your community of practice, like these other uh, Buddhists, but also just Sangha in terms of your community with the world, with other people as well. Mm-hmm. And as I've been practicing this, there's a large emphasis that everything is interconnected, that mm-hmm. I really cannot exist without other people existing as well, both from like a, you know, existential level, but even from a functional level. If I think okay. about if for listeners, if you think about like, how did you get food today, like the food that you're you're eating for lunch or dinner or, or breakfast. And if you think about how many hands it had to pass through to actually get on your table from the farmers to the transporters to getting to the grocery market, all that, right? And right. it's I that food would not be on the table if there wasn't a whole other ecosystem of people um that that were interacting with every day whether we think about it or not and so a lot of that practice has helped me to realize like I'm never truly alone because I'm always connected with other people Mm. Um, there's a Vietnamese Buddhist teacher too his name is Thich Nhat Hanh Mm. and he coined a term called interbe or interbeing it's like I I am being and you are being it's like together we are being. <laughs> he, he gives the analogy that you can see a cloud in a yeah. piece of paper. Uh, and what he means by that, if you, if you look deeply, you would have seen that, you know, the cloud created the rain so that tree could grow. And so again, everything, everyone is interconnected. So yeah. just knowing that helps me to realize that I'm not alone because mm-hmm. functionally I need, I'm always around other people. Mm. And that's how I'm living right now. Wow. So. That's so beautiful how you actually shared those examples from Tishna Han also quoting mm-hmm. that it's the interconnection which actually makes the entire world beautiful, right? I'm so, mm-hmm. uh, so glad that you touched on that point, uh, Richard. That was, again, very, very beautiful. So how have you seen these um, ancient wisdom-based tools as you've been practicing them, working on your mindset or mm-hmm. helping you face various challenges in life? Yeah, I think one of the main things I appreciate about Buddhism is it talks about the four noble truths. And the first noble truth is there's suffering in the world, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting point to base your religion off of like that's the main focus of recognizing that there's suffering in the world Mm. and i don't treat it as a depressing thing because it's just the reality that 
sometimes we have painful experiences. Right. And it's a matter of like, well, how do you deal with those difficult circumstances? Because I think part of our natural human tendency is, is we try to avoid pain as much as possible and we try to cling on to the experiences that feel pleasurable to us. Yeah. But what I've learned through Buddhism is if you try to resist or bottle up your pain or ignore it, it doesn't actually go away. It's just still sitting there right. and still might be affecting the way you behave. Yeah. So what I've learned through Buddhism is like leaning into it, actually acknowledging and accepting whatever types of emotions, thoughts that are arising within me, yeah. but not identifying with it. Um, still being able to let it go and not uh, fall into the narrative. Mm-hmm. And in a more practical way, what I'm trying to say is like, I am not my thoughts. I am not my feelings. Right. I have thoughts. I have feelings, mm-hmm. but there's a level of separation there. Right. Because for example, um, you know, I used to think a lot of that I wasn't good enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm not good enough, mm-hmm. but that's different than saying I have the thought that I am not good enough because <laughs> there's an extra level of separation where I can choose to say like, Oh, well, I notice this thought is coming up, but yeah. I don't agree with it. I don't have yeah. to um, go into that whole story. So yeah. definitely I, I would say the main thing I've learned through my Buddhist practice in a practical way is mindfulness. Mm. And I would define mindfulness as moment to moment awareness without mm. judgment. Yeah. The without, without judgment part is really important because It's like, I can have all these thoughts and emotions that come up, but I don't need to beat myself up over it. Um, I can notice what's going on and still let it pass through me. And it's really helpful because it then puts you in a space where you're not reactive. You're Mm -hmm. actually in a place where you can be responsive. Right. Because there's times when, you know, it's just normal as a human, you get angry or you get frustrated. Right. And your reaction might be to, you know, yell at a person or... Mm -hmm all that Mm. but that's not the most appropriate or healthy way to Mm. respond Mm. and if instead i can take a pause take a breath and then think how do i want to respond right that's what mindfulness um gives me the ability to do Mm -hmm. and yeah it's helpful in all sorts of circumstances and even like when things are going well i feel like it helps me enjoy it better too it's like Mm. how many times have you been eating food without really thinking about it you just like i need to finish eating my lunch because i have a meeting after this and you just (laughs) you you don't really taste you don't even taste the food right so i think mindfulness can apply on lots of has applied in lots of aspects of my life yeah Mm mm-hmm so, uh, Richard, thank you for sharing that piece of mindfulness, how it has been helpful uh, throughout your day, right? Like right, mm-hmm. eating food or going into any kind of uh, work activities that you do by being fully present in that moment is what you're emphasizing on, correct? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I would like to talk again back to this uh, topic on loneliness. Mm-hmm. What are the factors that actually leads someone to loneliness uh, based on your experience? Mm-hmm. I think there's a few different factors to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One of them that I already touched on before is just your own self-limiting belief that you mm. feel like you are alone. Yep. When in reality, people have a lot more in common than they think. It's interesting because while I was in university, I did go to therapy and one of the group therapy 
sessions that I was a part of was about connecting with yourself and connecting with others. Mm-hmm. And the most common phrase I heard over and over was, I thought it was just me. Like people, once they've shared their experiences and then hear from other people in the group, like, oh, I felt that way too. I've been through something like that. Yeah. The always the the light bulb moment, the surprise for them is like they thought it was just them experiencing it. Ah. And then when suddenly they hear like, you know, other people have been through this too, mm-hmm. suddenly they don't feel as alone with their their challenges. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I mean, everyone's life circumstances are different, but I think there's some commonalities with our human experiences of pain and suffering and fear and you sort of realize this is part of the human experience together so I think that's one aspect of loneliness where you believe that you are alone Mm. the other thing too about loneliness I think if I was to distinguish it between what's the difference between being alone and feeling lonely because being alone I think is just the physical state that you know you're not around anyone yeah But feeling lonely, I would say it's better described as you want to connect with people, but you don't feel like there's anyone to reach out to. Mm. Whereas being alone, it's sort of a choice. Like I, for me, I'm an introvert. I like having alone time. I don't want to be around people 24 seven. I I need my quiet time, but that's a choice. And when I have, I still have the opportunity to interact with people if I wanted to, but I feel like a very deep sense of loneliness is when you feel like you can't reach out or you don't have anyone to reach out to with whatever you're going through. And so you just have to like struggle with that burden all by yourself. Mm. So I would say that's another factor. Mm -hmm. I would also definitely say it has to do a lot with your environment as well. One thing I've realized recently, it's like, when I was in university, that was actually one of the best times of my life to connect with people. Because where else are you going to get thousands of people in the same space? There's so much access to events and joining student clubs and classes. There's so many people, so many chances to connect with people. Yeah. But once you're out of school and you're an adult, I would say it's pretty hard to make friends <laughs> because you're so busy with work um, where do you find people to hang out with? Everyone has their own schedule. So do they really want to hang out regularly? So I would say it's a matter of that too. Like you could be, it's interesting. You could physically be in a city with millions of people and still feel like you're alone because you're, you're no one, no one knows you and you might not feel like this is home for you. So Yep. environment, I would also say contributes to loneliness. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's a lot more, but those yeah. are the main ones that come to my yeah. mind. Yeah, thank you for sharing those important ones, which could contribute to loneliness, right? Um, Richard, here you actually emphasized on one area, which uh, sounded very interesting to me for introverts. It's mm-hmm. little more difficult to establish those connections, right? So, um for introverts, what would be your advice in terms of smallest steps that they could take to work on building these connections? Yeah, thank you for that question. Yeah. And I think a large part of it, I, I do want to start with defining introversion and extroversion. Yeah. Because sometimes I think there's some misunderstandings still around introversion. Um, 
for me, introversion and extroversion, I define it by how you use and get your energy. So as an introvert, I use up my energy in social situations, and I need my alone time to get that energy back to recharge my batteries. Whereas for extroverts, they gain a lot of energy by being around people. Mm. So nothing in that definition says that someone can't, someone is shy. Like an introvert doesn't automatically mean that they're shy Mm. uh, or they're not sociable or all those things. Because for me, I feel like in a way, introverts have a superpower. They have, they might be able to connect with people better than extroverts in some circumstances, Mm -hmm. because I think introverts tend to be better listeners because they, they don't have that such a strong desire to be talking all the time. And they're okay with being listeners and holding space for other people. And in my experience too, I prefer one-on-one conversations or with a small group. Mm. Um, I don't really crave being the center of attention. I'm I'm not the life of the party, but I feel like I can have very deep and intimate one-on-one connections with people. So all that to say, like for listeners that who might be introverted, like you don't have to think of it as something that's wrong with you because I mean, I don't know the exact statistic, but let's just say 50% of the population is introverted and 50% is extroverted. So there's 50% of other people that are in the same boat as you. It's not like you've been born into the wrong personality yeah, trade. Yeah, yeah. But having said that, I would say there are still a lot of institutions and the narrative in our society that s- somehow being extroverted is better. Because, <laughs> um, you know, in classrooms, you're expected to like speak up and do all these public presentations. And in working spaces, it might be designed as open working spaces where you're supposed to work in teams all the time and not just individual work. But I am an advocate that introverts can connect just as well as extroverts. It's just in Mm. a different way. Mm. And for listeners that might be looking for more resources or research around this area, I would recommend Susan Kane. So Susan is someone that's done a TED talk and also wrote a book about the power of introverts. And so a lot of her work touches on what makes introverts unique um, and how they can bring their skills to the table as well. Because I think we need yeah. people of all different personality types to yeah. collaborate yeah. together yeah. and celebrating that diversity. So all yeah. that to say, being introvert doesn't mean shy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you yeah. for, again, uh, reaffirming that being an introvert doesn't mean that you don't fit into the community or anything. You can still go ahead and build connections is what you're trying to share here, right, Richard, which is like Susan Cain's book also, it actually shows the power that introverts have. Yes, their personality is different, but through their own unique set of skills that they bring in, they can still um, improve if uh, they're actually facing loneliness, they can still improve on that area. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Richard, coming back to that place of like uh, talking about loneliness itself, could you share with the listeners on how can loneliness impact our health? Yeah, it impacts it in a lot of ways. There's quite a lot of studies and research out there, but um, one that really struck with me, it's when people experience loneliness, it triggers the same part of our brain as if we're experiencing physical pain. And I think there's a biological 
evolutionary reason for this because our ancestors if you were kicked out of your tribe likely you would die because you need it's very hard to survive on your own so i think it makes sense that we have some biological signaling for us to say like loneliness is a signal for us that community is really important it's the way i treat it it's similar to when you're hungry that's telling you your body wants to eat and if you're thirsty it's your body telling you you should drink water Mm. and when you're feeling lonely it's your body and your mind and your heart it's telling you like you should connect with people Mm. you should try to reach out because it being lonely affects (laughs) affects your health in so many ways i know there's another study done too where it's like equivalent to smoking like a pack of cigarettes each day if you feel lonely yeah so there's so many yeah detriments to your physical mental emotional health when you don't have those connections Mm. in your life Mm. and and yeah that's that's why i'm such a big advocate that people can have the social skills and confidence that they can make those connections in their life because it it makes your life so much richer and there's so many more opportunities when you do have those connections Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah thank you for re-emphasizing on that uh, part of how it can impact both your physical and mental health richard so are there ways to kind of recognize if someone is actually going through loneliness because we have all got these busy schedules and uh, busy activities that we dive into and sometimes um for some of them, it becomes hard to even recognize that they're going through a phase of loneliness. How would you um, say from your experience, um, the simplest ways to recognize uh, the symptoms of loneliness? Mm. So I'll ask a question back first, just to clarify. So when you say recognize loneliness, are you asking recognizing loneliness in yourself or in other people in yourself so um, the reason that i'm asking is a lot of people they tend to misinterpret their loneliness as Mm. some other issues right like they could actually misinterpret it as anxiety they could misinterpret it as depression but as you kind of connect with them and understand deeper about what they're dealing with it eventually actually comes down to loneliness so I'm, mm. I'm talking about those kind of people where they can actually recognize it at an earlier stage before it evolves into any severe mental health issue. Yeah. Okay. I understand your question now. Yeah. Hmm. I will start by prefacing that I feel like everyone's individual circumstances are different. Right. Um, Because it might be the case that someone simultaneously does feel lonely and also has anxiety and depression, et cetera. So I don't want to say that loneliness is the only cause or symptom or whatever. Um, But I I think I I do see loneliness and connection on a spectrum as well. Because even though I, I feel fairly well connected now because yeah. that's the focus of my work there's yeah. still days or, or moments in my day that I feel lonely mm-hmm. and that's okay because mm-hmm. I feel like there's a whole range of of <laughs> of this type of feeling there right some other qu- some questions I feel like someone could use to reflect on is yeah. 
do I feel a sense of belonging? Mm. Do I have close friends that I could reach out to for help at any time? Do I have people that I can reach out to just to spend time with? And I think when you ask yourself that those types of questions, it starts to reveal like what is the current situation with your your network. And you don't have to feel shame or judge yourself over it. It is just what it is. Yeah. And I think, especially during the past years of the pandemic too, I know there's a lot of people that you've lost, people might've lost friends. Right. They've lost touch with them or you've met new people. And I think it's just normal. People do come and go in your life. Yeah. But I think those core questions of, do you have, do you have someone that's there for you no mm. matter what? Mm. Um. And you might, and you might not. I mean, I feel fortunate that I do have one or two very close friends who I right. feel like I can reach out to them for anything, yep. but that's not the case for everyone. And it does yep. like building depth of relationship with someone is always, I don't know. I see it like a dance. It's, it's sort of like, it, it, it takes time, but also right. takes luck and effort as well to yep. see which of your connections actually develops into a deeper um, friendship or yeah, relationship. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would say if you ask yourself those questions, it might signal to you how you're actually doing. Mm. And you're right. You're sort of touching on the point too, where I think, especially in Western society, we can numb ourselves with busyness. Yes. Um, this is something that Brene Brown, she's a psychologist yeah, and yeah. author. She speaks about a lot too. Where yeah, it's like, yeah. we all have these numbing behaviors to right. try to cope with whatever deeper seated pain might actually be there. You are listening to Amrita Kailas on the Peace Bridge talk show on Voice America. We're going for a short break. Stay tuned and we'll be back in two minutes. A peaceful life is something most people only ever dream of, but can never achieve. Using tools from ancient wisdom can help you achieve that peace. Listen to the Peace Bridge Talk Show on the Voice America Influencers Channel to learn what those tools are and how to implement them. The Peace Bridge Talk Show, hosted by Amrita Kailas, Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific. You are listening to the Peace Bridge Talk Show with Amrita Kailas. Have a question for Amrita or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5795. That's 866-472-5795. Now back to the show with Amrita. Welcome back, everyone, to the Peace Bridge Talk Show on Voice America. Let's resume our show. Because when you are busy all the time, it makes you feel like you're still being productive. Um, you're still contributing. Right. Um, and But really, it's distracting you from what might still be underlying there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, Richard, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but all that to say, it's like, you know, we all have our baggage or emotional baggage and pain. And right. also like that you don't, you don't need to sort of work through all that by yourself either. 
if you have the means to do so, I do very strongly recommend that people seek mental health support through a therapist or a coach or other means um, that can help. They're trained to help you through that process because sometimes there's just a lot of painful, traumatic things um, that might not be appropriate for you to try to go through all yourself. Yeah. 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 Uh, Richard, thank you for sharing this piece of uh, short questions that you can use to reflect on yourself, to understand where you stand in terms of loneliness, to find out if you are looking for that belongingness in your community, right? So that you can have this connection that will help you to progress in your life faster, either consulting a therapist or a coach. If you feel like you need help is another option that is available to us, right? Thank you for sharing that part. In terms of um, going through this loneliness phase um, while you're surrounded by technology, gadgets, people, and all that, why should someone seek connections? Hmm. I think there's two parts to this because you've mentioned about this technology because definitely we live in a very different time yeah. uh, and age like compared to 10, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. I think there's both good and bad yes. to technology for sure. Um, one thing I have noticed is people could have a thousand Facebook friends and I'm putting friends in quotation marks here, but how many of those people are people that will actually come to your wedding if you invited them or to your birthday party or be there for you when you you, you need it? Like how, what is the actual depth of friendship you have there? And I think another challenge with social media is like comparison, yeah. uh, which I think can, has affected my mental health. And I know other people too, where you see these people that seem like, you know, they have they're doing all these cool things in their life. They seem so happy. Um, they're so successful, but is that how they actually are? Or is that just one very small side that you're seeing to them? So I think in that way, people can feel disconnected too. And then they're looking for validation through the amount of likes and comments or followers that they have. They feel like that is connection, which I think is an unfortunate consequence of our social media technology. But on the other hand, I feel like technology can also be used as a great tool to connect with people. I mean, right now we're recording our podcast through Zoom. We've never met each other in person before. (laughs) Um, And there's so many friends that I've made online too through Zoom that I've never seen in person before. But I feel like those are still very meaningful connections. And so in this day and age of technology, I mean, we, we can't resist it. Like technology is going to be with us Absolutely. and it's still going to be advancing forward. And I think overall it does make our quality of life better, but I think there's a lot of responsibility or again, mindfulness on the part of the user to mm. see how do they use this technology because yeah. it can be used in a way that makes you feel worse and it can be used in a way that makes you feel better. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting now after the pandemic where I feel like I am living this hybrid lifestyle. Like I will still continue connecting with people online. I'm part of lots of online communities like Toastmasters, but I also value being able to see people in person in the same city with me and grab coffee with one another. 
And so it's sort of, I see it as the best of both worlds where you are still able to connect in whatever mediums work best for you. And in a way, actually, if we go back to introverts, it might be easier to connect with people online than in person because you, I guess, have more control of the space and the context of when you're meeting. Mm -hmm. So I would say, and going back to your question of like, why is connection important? Again, it's like, there's so many, there's so many issues like so many health issues and well-being issues that come with feeling lonely. And again, it's our body telling us we should connect with people. Yep. Yep. Because we are social beings and we need these connections uh, to be part, to be feeling the belongingness, right? To be able to express our authentic selves and to have deeper meanings to our own life. That's what you're emphasizing on, right, uh, Richard? Uh, I also um, like the part that you said, like technology can be used in a good or bad way based on how we actually perceive it, right? Like uh, if we are using our mindfulness uh, into social media, whether it's with comparison or validation, we should be able to regulate ourselves while using technology so that it doesn't impact our own mental health. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you for uh, re-emphasizing the part that we cannot live without technology. We do need technology, but how we use it is up to us. It's our responsibility is what you were uh, trying to share with the listeners here, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you again uh, for mentioning that uh, you need connections through social media, but finding those authentic connections is the biggest factor that's going to help you improve your own life and uh, others as well. Right. So can you touch base on that part of like finding those authentic connections? I know it is dependent on each person to find their own authentic connection. But what are some small steps that someone who's dealing with loneliness do in order to start seeking those kind of authentic connections? Yeah, I'll I'll give a three-step process where if you start with yourself, I think a question we're reflecting upon, it's like, why do you want to connect with people? Because it might be a reason of you want friends. It might be that you want to network for professional business reasons. Um, It might be that you're looking for a romantic partner. So I guess having some clarity first of why you're wanting to connect with people will help give some direction. And then the second step, I would say, who are the type of people you want to connect with? Because you might come up with a bullet point list of descriptions of you want to connect with people with certain types of values or that share similar hobby or interest or that have similar goals. Cause that will also help you to um, guide your effort um, of who you want to intentionally connect with. And then the last step I would say, it's like, okay, you know why you want to connect you know how you know who you want to connect with. The last step is how do you connect with them, right? How do you actually reach out? So I will provide a few different 
suggestions here. One is starting with a tool I learned through therapy, actually. It's called the fear ladder. So if you imagine a ladder, it has all these different steps or the rungs on this ladder. And if you imagine each of those different steps is a different level of fear. So let's just say it's a scale of one to 10. And say your goal is to be more socially confident. There's going to be different actions that you take that will be a different level of fear. Because if I tell someone, just approach a random stranger on the street and start a conversation, I would say for most... For most people, that's likely to be high on their fear ladder. It might be a nine or 10. And it's unrealistic to expect someone to do that because it's just too wide of a jump for them. But if I instead ask what's a one out of 10 on your fear ladder, then it, it helps you to see there's still steps that you can take that are towards your goal that are slightly outside of your comfort zone, but still feel doable. And once you practice that enough, then you can go to two out of 10 and three out of 10 and four out of 10. So it's sort of a matter of you doing your own self-reflection of, okay, you want to connect with this type of person. What's your one out of 10? What's the first small step you could take? And for some people, it might not even actually be reaching out to that stranger yet. It might be reaching out to someone you already know and say, and saying to them like, hey, could we hang out? Right, Because that's someone you know is already likely to say yes, but it's still helping you to exercise your social skills Mm. and building you up with the confidence to eventually reach out to the type of people you want to reach out to. And I think there's a number of ways you can reach out to people by finding excuses to connect. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't go super in detail because it it would take a while, but... Yeah. Uh, I do recommend that people check out my TEDx talk because I do give some lots of different examples in there of how people have been able to find ways to connect with one another on a small scale and on a large scale. Mm. But re- really, I think about it's it's just about having the courage to take some action. Mm. And it could be as simple as saying hi to someone. Um, and that slowly helps you to overcome your fear of rejection because you realize most people are happy to connect. And even if they, they don't, you don't have to take it personally either. It just might be the case that they're too busy or, or, or whatnot. I think sometimes our brains make situations to be more difficult than it actually is. Yeah. 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 Thank you for sharing those wonderful tips uh, with the listeners. Uh, here, Richard, that was really, really helpful um, to even um, have those simple questions behind the back of your mind to help you understand why you need to seek those connections and what are the first few steps that you can take in order to change you from a place of loneliness to a place of peace or happiness while you are in the community uh, feeling that belongingness, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to ask you more about the place of rejection that you mentioned, Richard, because I know even some of my clients have experienced and shared this with me where it is the rejection that actually stops them from even 
trying to create or um, have a connection, right? So for those people who have gone through multiple rejections, what would your advice be? Yeah. So I think part of it is to say, I don't think the fear of rejection ever goes away. Even for me that, I, again, I feel like I'm fairly confident and well-connected. I still have the fear of rejection. Mm. Even celebrities who you think are super famous, there's still people that they fear reaching out to because they might be rejected. Mm. So all that to say, it's like the feeling is normal. You don't have to get rid of it. I think in a way it's always going to be there. Mm. But it's sort of seeing that what do you do with the rejection afterwards if you have been rejected? Because you could treat it in a way of like, oh, I did so horribly. I'm never going to do that again. I want to protect myself. I don't want to feel that pain. Or you could ask yourself the question, what can I learn from this? Mm. What can I learn from this situation? Am I noticing some sort of pattern where when I message people or talk to people in this way, it leads to this rejection? And so you can sort of take a more scientific, analytical perspective mm. on this. It's like, okay, this is this is the situation. This is what I said. This is how they responded. Are there things I could do differently next time? Mm. And so that sort of transforms the, transforms the rejection into something that actually moves you forward. It becomes a learning experience and skill development. It's not like these you don't have to treat it as these markers of shame, like, oh my God, I was rejected this this many times. Um, there, There's ways to learn about it and then you can keep experimenting too. It's like, yeah. okay, I think I'll try this thing next time and see how it goes. Yeah. So that's definitely a piece of mindset shift that I might offer to people that you can see rejection as a learning experience too. And rejection comes in a lot of circumstances too. It's like, if you apply for jobs, yep. um, at least in my circumstance, I feel like I get reject I get rejected way more than I get a yes. Yep. But it's sort of seeing like it, rejection or failure, whatever word you want to use, it's just sort of part of the process yeah, of it. it. It's just a feedback yep. that is giving you signal to improve in a particular area and then move on, right? Yeah. Yeah, and when you when you see it from a more objective perspective. You don't have to be so emotionally attached mm. to it. Mm. And part of it too, it's like, if it's like rejection in the context of friendship or relationships, mm. it's sort of recognizing that there's still lots of other people out there. I very genuinely believe that there are your people out there, like people that will get you, understand you, accept you fully as you are. So it might even be the case that the person you're trying to connect with might not be the right person for you. Yeah. And you will be able to find a community elsewhere where it's just natural that you feel a sense of belonging with them. Yep. Yep. Thank you, Richard, for emphasizing on that part that you will still find people who are going to accept you uh, if you experience a rejection where someone uh, who doesn't fit in with your values or your kind of personality um, that actually resulted into this rejection, right? Yep. If you can decide for yourself what is important to you and what is not important, that gives you so much power because you've sort of separated yourself from this whole game because you have your own measures of success that 
is important to you. And then anything else that you hear from media or from your friends, you can decide like, oh, that's not important to me. I don't need to listen to them for that. I, I know it's easier said than done, <laughs> um, but I think that's part of this inner work that comes from like ancient wisdoms. Like the better you know yourself and can connect with yourself, the more mm-hmm. grounded you feel. Yes. You don't have, then you're not so swept away from other people's opinions or judgments or what you think people are thinking of you because you know yourself and you have a good relationship with yourself. Yep. And so yeah, that's what I would recommend to listeners of figuring out for yourself what is important to you and what are your measures of success. Yeah. Because then you're not you're no longer comparing yourself to others. You're just comparing yourself to yourself. It's like, okay, I know this is what it's important to me. Am I making progress towards the type of person I want to become? It's like you're no longer competing with others. You're just competing with yourself to make yourself better. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I would yeah. offer. Thank you. Thank you so much, Richard. That was very powerful again, where the connection with yourself is what drives your success. That If you pay attention to that and move forward, then you will be less impacted by the uh, progress of others or what others are doing. What are they saying about you? What are they thinking about you? All of that becomes less significant in your life, right? So um, before I let you go, I would love you to share how can someone integrate ancient wisdom to develop that relationship with their own self and discover their authentic self? Yeah, I mean, I guess a part of it depends on what someone's spiritual religious practice looks like, because I know it's it's an individual thing for all of them. But I know quite a lot of religions in the world emphasize this aspect of knowing yourself and knowing your values and embodying those values. Um, And I know there's a focus in Hinduism and Buddhism and Christianity and, and so on, like of meditation, like having the space to contemplate and think about your life and your actions and so on. So I think definitely there's a lot of those aspects that are applicable now. Like even though these religions came about thousands of years ago, I think that one of the reasons people keep practicing them is that it still has applicability in our modern life. Like all these stories and teachings, um, it still applies. And you don't need to learn it from scratch. It's like there's philosophers yeah. and religious leaders that have thought about these things before yeah. Yeah. and give some guidance on how you can approach it. Yeah. So definitely I would say, where, again, whatever your spiritual practice looks like, yeah. I think it's it's worthwhile tapping into that. I think getting to know yourself will always be a lifelong journey. I don't think you get to a certain point where like, oh, I know everything about myself. Yes. I'm sure if you ask an 80-year-old yeah. and they think of the question like, who am I? They're still yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned before, the better you know yourself, the better you can connect with others. And I think the happier happier you are too. Because the only relationship that's 24-7 is with ourselves. Like, when we go to bed, when we wake up in the morning, it's still you, you and yourself. 
So it's worth it to have a positive relationship. So examining what your internal dialogue, like how do you talk to yourself? Um, do you judge yourself? Are you hard on yourself? And and shifting some of those things too. So all that to say, I think there's lots of ancient wisdom, but also I would say modern wisdom too from authors, researchers, and so on that you can incorporate into your own personal development absolutely. and self-awareness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thank you for, again, sharing the importance of developing that relationship with your own self in order to have stronger and healthier connections around you. Thank you so much also for mentioning about the ways you can interconnect that ancient wisdom with the modern wisdom that we have to work on ourselves and build a beautiful connection within us. Thank you so much, Richard. It was so amazing talking with you today. I really, really um, am grateful to have this opportunity to discuss about this uh, topic with you. Is there a last piece of message that you would like to share with our listeners before we disconnect? Tell listeners to remind my remind them of the motto I have, which is you never know how any connection can transform your life. And the reason why that motto is important to me is there's been so many times before where meeting the right person in the right context, <clears throat> it really transformed my life. Like it opened my life to so many other opportunities. And so that's why I think connection is so important where just making you, you don't know, like saying hi to someone or meeting them at a coffee shop or going to some event, it could lead to a lifelong friendship. So that's what I always encourage people to do, that any person you meet could drastically transform your life. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Richard, uh, for uh, mentioning about the importance of connection in our lives and how it can help us discover our own selves as well as take us away from the places of loneliness or any mental health issues that we are struggling to overcome just by having simple connections. And I am deeply grateful to have this connection with you today, uh, which is, of course, uh, been an amazing journey so far with, with you. So... Thank you again, Richard, for sharing your amazing pieces of wisdom with all of us and uh, helping the listeners understand about the importance of integrating ancient wisdom and also uh, developing connections to lead a happy and peaceful life. Thank you. Now, let's do a simple mindfulness meditation for loneliness together. Please do not carry out this exercise while you're driving. Sit straight and close your eyes. Take a deep breath. As you inhale, focus on your breath and visualize the breath from outside, sweeping your entire body from head to toe touching each and every cell in your body. Take as much as time you need to visualize this. As you exhale, 
focus on your breath and visualize your breath filling the entire place around you your room your house your environment your city and the entire world experience your breath connecting within you and outside you you are not alone you are connected as you experience it say to yourself i am thankful and grateful for able to connect within me and around me bow down and thank the universe for giving you the opportunity to do this mindfulness meditation today slowly open your eyes what was your experience during the mindfulness meditation and how did you find the episode today share your experience and your biggest takeaway from the episode with us on our facebook community samsarga hyphen emotional support you can also email us at samsarga.ca@gmail.com to download the free workbook on overcoming loneliness go to bit.ly/livinglonely bit.ly/livinglonely dear listeners thank you so much for sharing your incredible feedback on my previous episodes on past trauma and the path to distress i deeply appreciate each of your feedback as well as the feedback that you provided on the free workbooks if you have not got a chance to listen to the episodes earlier please go back to the peace bridge talk shows episode list to watch the replays if you have not got the free workbook you can find the links to the workbooks in the show details within each episode thank you for taking the time to listen to me today i deeply appreciate your time and support i look forward to sharing yet another exciting and insightful episode with you to help you discover peace in your life join me next wednesday 5 pm pacific for yet another exciting episode until then take care stay safe and remain peaceful sending you all lots of love and light amrita thanks for tuning in to the peace bridge talk show tune in again next week to continue your journey to leading a peaceful life until then have a peaceful week